Katie, do you know any sea shanties, traditional or otherwise? Welcome to the Four Corners Crimecast. My name is Jake. My name is Rory. And I'm your host, Katie, and today we are talking about Joel Guy Jr. Guy Jr. And uh, where did you do your research on this one, Katie? This one was on Law and Crime on YouTube, Court TV. They both streamed the trial as it happened, and then WVLT and Boston News 8, which are just news websites. Very exciting. And where are we going for this one, Katie? This one is in Knoxville, Tennessee. Was this a, a request from a listener, Katie? It wasn't, no. This one I just Damn. wanted to do, because well, I've been seeing this guy's picture everywhere for some reason, and... It has a lot to do with the fact that he looks like the penguin on a meth bender. He looks like, if you were to ever describe someone who is going to commit a double murder of their own parents, it would be this, exactly. It's exactly what he looks like. He's got massive eyebrows. He also has lost the laughter from his eyes. I don't think he ever had any. To start with? No, all the laughter was mostly pointed at this man and his long hair bald spot. I know, I thought that was so funny because I was like, oh wow, look at his hair. And then the next one was just (laughs) that huge bald spot. Yeah, he's a real creepy looking dude. Kind of looks like uh, Hotel Transylvania, George Costanza. I would say, I mean, the one with the orange and white jumpsuit, he looks like Fat Lip Gallagher. That's true, he does. Is that a, a, a artist's rendering of Jabba the Hutt if he were a person? <laughs> <laughs> this man has dead eyes. Mm-hmm. Steve Carell does too. Why don't you go ahead and uh, start us off there, Katie? We don't know much about the early life of Joel Guy Jr., who went by Joel Michael to his family, because, well, there isn't much to know. Joel was born to parents Joel Guy Sr. and Lisa Guy in 1988 and had three half-sisters, born to Joel Sr. and his ex-wife. He graduated from high school, a boarding school, in 2006 before attending one semester at George Washington University in Washington, D.C., then transferring to Louisiana State University in Baton Rouge. For nine years, Joel attended LSU, supposedly studying to become a plastic surgeon, I assume in hopes he could one day fix his own stupid face. And it was a stupid face. Can you imagine going into your plastic surgeon's office and... uh... That guy is yeah. just looking at you. Yeah, um, <laughs> you're just like, oh my god, are you, you are the assistant, right? And he's like, no, no, I'm not the assistant. He's like, don't worry, if I could do what I do to everyone else to myself, I'd be beautiful. And this lady just stomps her foot and says, I demand to see Frankenstein, because he looks like Igor. He dropped out of LSU in 2015. Joel lived in an apartment in Baton Rouge alone and was described as a recluse by his sisters. For a period of time, Joel lived with Michael McCracken, his one and only friend. So his sisters said he was a recluse? His sisters were the only ones that really knew him, so yeah, they were the only ones that could comment on what he was like. McCracken testified that they attended high school together and were best friends, but as Joel got older, he became more and more distant. McCracken said that when they were younger, Joel did have other friends, but eventually cut them off and only really spoke to him. McCracken eventually moved out of Baton Rouge sometime before 2016. If you're wondering why Joel attended college for nine years and had nothing to show for it, so am I. Joel Sr. and Lisa had been supporting him his entire life. Joel had literally never worked any sort of job, ever, and seemed to be notoriously lazy. One of Joel Sr.'s daughters testified that Lisa Guy only worked so she could give her paycheck to her son. 
Joel Sr. was an engineer, and Lisa worked in HR at an engineering company, but in 2016, were busy planning their retirement. So is it safe to say that Joel Jr. is like a bit of a spoiled child, maybe? Coddled? Yes, absolutely. Joel Sr. had been laid off and decided rather than finding another job, he would rather retire. They had sold their home in Knoxville, Tennessee, and were planning on moving to a family home owned by Joel Sr. Lisa planned on spending one last week at work after Thanksgiving before her retirement. They were also planning on telling Joel that, because he was a 28-year-old man, it was time for him to start supporting himself, and they wouldn't be giving him any more money. They had sat down and meticulously planned out their savings for retirement, even down to how much beer they drank a week. Accounts differ on when Joel Sr. and Lisa broke the news, or were planning on breaking the news to Joel. Some say they were planning on telling Joel during Christmas, others say he found out sometime before Thanksgiving. Either way, they had Thanksgiving dinner at the guy home. Joel Sr.'s daughters came, along with Joel, who planned on spending the weekend at the home rather than returning to Baton Rouge right after. Why didn't they wait till after the holidays to break the news to him? They had sold their house, they were moving, they wouldn't have any income to give him. This is literally straight out of the Step Brothers movie. On November 28th, Lisa Guy didn't show up for work. Her boss Jennifer called Knox County Sheriff's Office for a welfare check, concerned that Lisa or Joel Sr. hadn't called and weren't picking up their phones. An officer went out to the home and did a perimeter check, but left claiming that everything seemed fine. Jennifer wasn't having any of that, as by this point she'd called Lisa and Joel Sr. around 20 times and sent numerous texts, all which went unanswered. Jennifer called the non-emergency line back, letting them know that this was serious and they needed to go back. She was then contacted by a detective who decided that the circumstances warranted them taking a closer look around the property. When he arrived with the original responding officer, he noted that the front door did not have a realtor lockbox on the handle. The detective also noted that the color of the doorknob did not match the color of the deadbolt. Around back, he discovered the back door did not have a doorknob at all. It was obvious someone had switched the back doorknob to the front to get rid of the lockbox. There was also an extremely strong chemical smell seeping out of the hole in the door, and he could feel excessive heat coming from inside the home. This is going to get extremely graphic, so listener discretion is heavily advised. When officers eventually made their way into the house, they first noticed that it was very hot because the thermostat had been turned up to 90 degrees and heaters had been left on around the home. Isn't this your ideal temperature, though, Katie? 90, yeah. It was, so it was weird. They had the downstairs thermostat was set to 90 and the upstairs was set to 95, so I don't know how that works, that you can have two different thermostats. Two different units. Two different units. Upstairs unit, down, downstairs unit. Mini splits. But either way, it was really fucking hot. The smell was a horribly strong mix of chemicals and decomposition. There were bottles of bleach, a large bag of baking soda, garbage bags, and towels laid out on the floor near the kitchen. In the foyer, groceries were left on the floor as if someone had dropped or sat them down when they walked in the door. In the kitchen, a large pot was simmering on the stove. On the dining room table were two wallets, a hammer, and on another table laid multiple guns, knives, and ammo. As police made their way upstairs, they noticed that the stairs and walls were covered in blood that had been cleaned, but very minimally. The guy, he's obviously not home at this point in time. No. When they enter the home, when they enter the house. No. And this is what they walk into. What, do you th- what are your first thoughts if you walk into this, Katie? 
Like me as a detective or just yeah. me in general? Detective Shady is uh, just kicked kick down the back door, walks in, smells, smells the stinky, stinky smell, and uh, sees all the bleach and scary things. What's your first thought? That somebody was murdered. Yep, that was my first thought, too. <laughs> Not mine. I just was thinking they like to be clean and that they were part iguana. At the top of the stairs was a pile of women's clothing, scissors, bloody chemical bottles, a knife, and a huge blood stain. When they reached the second floor, they found the exercise room covered in blood, an elliptical knocked over, and blinds torn. A bloody pile of men's clothes laid on the floor next to two knives. In the back corner of the room was a pair of severed hands belonging to Joel Sr. As soon as the officers saw this, they immediately left the home to preserve the scene. Did they dust the hands for fingerprints? Whose fingerprints? <laughs> Wouldn't you like to know? The thing is, is that you know there's going to be one set of fingerprints on the hands unless they've been burned off. Now, if they've been burned off, you're not going to have any fingerprints on the fingers themselves, but you may have fingerprints left from other fingers touching those fingers. So my question is... Prints on prints. That's the question. Prince on Prince? <laughs> question mark? Um, no, I don't think they did because, I mean, Joel's fingerprints are all over the house because he was just there. So, like, either way, his fingerprints are going to be on so he just everything. Let, so, wait, wait, wait. They walk into the room. They see a bloody pile of clothes, a knife, and then it's just like they go further into the room and there's a set of hands. Yeah, and the officers went, are those hands? Those are fucking hands. And then they turned around and left. That's a good call. I've got a theory of how those hands got there. Uh, did someone cut them off and leave them there, maybe? Well, see, this works into a no. whole thing. They were just sick of their <laughs> home. <laughs> Detectives arrived to process what was now a murder scene. It took them two full days to gather every piece of evidence inside the home. Their first discovery in the second-story bathroom, which was covered in plastic sheeting, was two blue plastic totes. Inside was Lisa and Joel Sr.'s torsos, arms, and legs, floating in an acid mixture to destroy evidence. So the whole plastic tub thing in acid is legit? Yeah. In the sink next to the bodies was a large knife, and a garden hose was hooked up to where the shower head should be. The guest bathroom was covered in blood, bandages, and hydrogen peroxide from someone cleaning a wound. Possibly the worst discovery of all was when the pot on the stove was opened. Inside was Lisa Guy's severed head, which had been cooking for two days. That's a lot of soft, squishy meat. I bet she was practically falling off the skull. It definitely was. That's all like, yeah. Was he planning to eat his mother's head? No, I think he just wanted to keep her skull around. I think it was a humiliation thing. Yeah. Well, that will teach her to stop paying my everything. The liquid Lisa and Joel Sr.'s torsos had been put into was a mixture of food-grade hydrogen peroxide, sewer cleaner, and other acidic cleaners. So he was not going to eat it? No, and sewer cleaner is mostly lye, which is where the whole, like, you put lye and then dissolve bodies in it. It was described during court testimony as a, quote, diabolical stew of human remains. The footage of the evidence tape showing the bodies was so graphic that they refused to even show it to the jury, blurring it along with Joel Sr.'s hands. Do we have any copies of the unedited version of those pictures? Never been released. I mean, the whole evidence footage was shown in court, so we have all of that. 
through court TV, but they, it's all blurred. Did he pose the hands, or did he just No, they were on? just laying on the floor. I would have gone, like, thumbs up, at least, or something. Praying Jesus' hands, for sure, for It's me. really hard when your tendons are... Your tendons control everything. So when you don't have those in your wrist, you can't yeah, flex a hand. He had some time. He could have got some posing wire. Detectives were able to piece together what had happened, and an autopsy was attempted, but difficult for obvious reasons. Joel Sr. had been attacked first while he was home alone. He was exercising on his elliptical when he was approached and stabbed. Joel Sr. had extensive wounds on his hands from fighting for his life with every ounce of his strength. Altogether, he was stabbed around 40 times, 34 to his back. His hands were cut off first and left on the floor, and his legs were cut off at the waist. While this was occurring, Lisa was out grocery shopping. When she arrived home, she most likely set the groceries down as she carried things in. Once all was inside, Lisa went up the stairs. She was stabbed between 25 and 30 times. She had been stabbed with such force that nine of her ribs were severed. Her legs were then cut off at the knees, and both had their arms removed. Why did he cut off one of them at the knees and one of them at the waist? Um, height differences. He was cutting so they would fit in the totes. Oh. And so obviously Joel Sr. is taller, so he has to cut his legs off. So his torso and his legs fit. She's shorter. I do think, though, that one part of cutting Lisa's head off was that because he cut her legs off at the knees, she was... Her torso was probably too large, and that was, he had to cut her head off to fit her, to fit it in the tote. A forensic anthropologist testified that Lisa's head wasn't just cut off, but it had literally been cut, then torn off. The limbs and torsos were placed into the tubs with the acid mixture, but both had large slash wounds to their chest before being placed in. This was to ensure the chemicals seeped into the body cavity more quickly and sped up the decomposition even more. After the bodies were dismembered and in the mixture, cleanup began, then ended. The only spots that really appeared to be cleaned were on the stairs, which was still very obviously blood on the white carpet. The cleaning supplies had been brought inside, then it appeared the killer decided they would either come back later, or that it was just too much and they didn't feel like finishing the job. I get it. You know, sometimes after that hard work, you want to take a nap. Go home. Especially when you've never worked a day in your life. <laughs> that was exhausting, killing my gooses that laid the golden eggs. Who I definitely earned this inheritance today, boys. <laughs> was he trying to get all, all the evidence that he composed real quick? What was his, his thought process between trying to speed up the, the decomposition here? Um, He had a lot of different thought processes, and I think... Did he? They <laughs> all just kind of, like, stopped once he murdered... Joel and Lisa, and he went with this for whatever reason. What kind of food did he order while he was killing his parents? None. He had leftovers. What kind of leftovers? From Thanksgiving. They just had mm -hmm. Thanksgiving dinner. I'm sure there was Oh, this a was just of... one of those tryptophan rage moments. Mm-hmm. Oh, fucking turkey will get you every time. The police, of course, had a real whodunit on their hands. <clears throat> Joel Jr. had made some mistakes while murdering his parents, namely leaving his backpack in the bedroom that was full of books with his name written in them. Inside was also a notebook that was dubbed his premeditation book, where he laid out in five pages exactly what he was going to do to murder his parents and make it look like he was in Baton Rouge the whole time. The notebook opened with, quote, get killing knives, quiet, multiple, 
Get sledgehammer, crush bones. Bring blender and meat grinder, grind meat. Get bleach, denature proteins. Get plastic bin for denaturation process. Turn heater up as high as it goes, speeds up decomposition. Money, all mine, $500,000. Don't have to get rid of body if there is no forensic evidence on the body. It goes on to detail different ways to get Joel Sr. in a vulnerable position for the attack and how he would douse the, quote, killing rooms in bleach and gasoline. He also noted that he would schedule Lisa's phone to send him a text to prove that he was in Baton Rouge when they were killed. His master plan was to make it look like Joel Sr. had killed Lisa, then burned down their home. Inside the backpack was a printout of how a water heater works, like he was planning on flooding the house. I'm not entirely sure how it would look like Joel Sr. killed Lisa when both of them were dismembered and placed into tubs of lye, but Joel wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed. I feel like that's kind of obvious with the... uh, Pictures? Vulnerable position. He was like... Trying to figure out how to get him into a vulnerable vulnerable position, and then ultimately he's just like, oh shit, he gets on his elliptical every day. He was planning on like doing something or saying the garbage disposal was broken, so he'd have to like get under the sink. And stuff his whole head in the garbage disposal. And then he was going to stab him. I don't know why, like, normally when the garbage disposal is not working, you just stick your hand in it. I'm going to get my dad to stick his head Maybe in it. he was waiting for that too, and he didn't get to see that, so he chopped the dude's hands off. My main question here really is, though, what was wrong with this kid? He just wanted the money? He just literally wanted money because his parents weren't going to give him his allowance anymore, and so... Money. So he's not really, he like... Through a temper tantrum. He's not, like, the best planner in the world, even though he wrote it down. I think the writing it down kind of proves that he's even worse of a planner because, like, do you really need to <laughs> notate why you need a sledgehammer yeah, and, money. and knives? Oh, mine, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so there was, I mean, it was five pages. It was rambling. He laid out every single detail. None of it made sense. I don't know how they ended up in tubs when it was supposed to look like Joel Sr. murdered Lisa. How are you going to cut your own hands off and your own legs off and your arms off and then put yourself in a tub of lye? It, It probably wasn't to flood the house or to burn it down or anything. The water heater probably just stopped working and he didn't know how to fix it. <laughs> and like, it's like, I need to take a shower after all this. He's like, oh, poop, I can't figure this out. He also, there's a note in the master bedroom on a sticky note that said to spread his ashes in this one place. And it, he said, I love everybody and I hope you know that. And then he signed it the 19th. But he didn't get to Knoxville until the 23rd. Interesting. But it was like a suicide note. It was basically like, Maybe when you find my body, spread my ashes here and know that I loved you, but it's like... Adding layers. It's just adding layers onto his, his, uh, he's trying his to narrative. He's deceptive. None of it made any fucking sense. Well, yeah, this man's obviously stupid or and psychotic. And he said, too, in his notebook that he was going to turn the heaters up to melt the fingerprints. Fingerprints are known to melt at 96.3 degrees, Katie. They survive house fires. I mean, you could go into a home that's been burned down that's been like 1,000 degrees and you could still get fingerprints. To make matters worse, Joel planned on killing their dog, too. The fuck? Yeah, right? His dog's name was Jake. Joel was arrested on November 29th at his apartment and in the trunk of his car was a meat grinder as if he was planning on returning the home to finish cleaning up the scene. 
Surveillance footage eventually pulled from Home Depots and Walmart showed him purchasing all of the chemicals and plastic totes. Police speculated that because of the cuts to his hands from the attacks, Joel was unable to clean the house like he had laid out in his notebook. I personally think he's a lazy sack of shit that just said, fuck it, I don't feel like doing this. His motive, although never 100% confirmed, was money. He was after Lisa's $500,000 life insurance policy, which he more than likely was not the sole beneficiary on, but he didn't think that far ahead. I'm not entirely sure if he knew his parents' plans to cut off his money, but the timing lines up almost too perfectly for him not to. Again, some sources say he did know, but at trial it was said they were planning on telling him or cutting him off at Christmas. He was eventually charged with two counts of first-degree murder, three counts of felony murder, and two counts of abuse of a corpse. I think that it's possible he got, like, a vibe that they were gonna cut him off. He could tell it was coming. He just wanted to nip that right in the bud. One thing I found interesting is one of the felony murder charges. If you don't know, felony murder is a death that occurs during the commission of another felony. An example of this would be if you're committing a bank robbery and someone has a heart attack and dies. Because you were robbing the bank, a felony, and someone died, you're technically a murderer even though you didn't physically kill anyone. One of the felony murder charges against Joel was for murdering Lisa during the commission of Joel Sr.'s murder. I have personally never seen a case where the state charged someone with felony murder for killing someone while killing someone. So... I don't know if they're trying to stick it to him and say fuck you, but it seems that way. I say that's a great use of the felony murder it's statute. Just weird. I've never seen them do that. I didn't know you even could do that for murdering while murdering. They were just trying to pile on charges, get longer sentencing, or? Get him dead. Joel pleaded not guilty, but to be a pain in the ass, he originally filed to go to trial pro se or representing himself. He did this so he could ask the state to put him to death if he was found guilty. Before the trial, the prosecution decided not to seek the death penalty, likely because he asked for it and they were going to do everything in their power to make sure nothing went his way. Good fuck this guy. The trial lasted four days and Joel's defense attorney did him no favors. It was pretty obvious he didn't want to be there and was sure Joel was guilty too because he literally didn't present a case. He cross-examined witnesses, but called none of his own and entered no evidence. He gave a half-assed closing, claiming that the evidence didn't show Joel was there, just that his DNA was. Because he was happy and cheerful in the days before his arrest, he could not have done it. That's convincing. Most likely, he was so happy because he'd taken tens of thousands of dollars from his father to prepay his rent and utilities. After three hours of deliberation, he was found guilty on two counts of murder one, one count of felony murder, and two counts of abuse of a corpse. He was sentenced to two consecutive life sentences plus four years. During the sentencing, the judge told Joel he was not as smart as he thought he was, and 300 years in prison wouldn't compare to what he'd done. His release date is 6-22-2136, according to Tennessee DOC. That's that old-school Tennessee justice type of thing. Yeah, we're going to leave you in your cell for 40 years after you're dead. You're going to rot and die. While in prison, Joel wrote a letter requesting to be placed in solitary confinement. It read, quote, This was a bad idea. I am psychologically unstable. I'm having fantasies of using my fingers to gouge this gentleman's eyes out of his head while he's unconscious and, therefore, 
wouldn't be able to defend himself. Given that, in these fantasies, it is essential that I use my fingers, a no-sharps restriction will accomplish nothing in deterring these actualizations. I'm writing this letter because I don't want to end up with a disciplinary infraction or, worse, more criminal charges, nor do I logically believe that this gentleman deserves to be blind. I don't know what to do. I shouldn't be allowed access to another person while they're unconscious. This was a bad idea. Please stop me from acting on these fantasies. Thanks, Joel Guy. Even after this, he's listed as medium security on the DOC site. They're like, this pansy wouldn't even try that. His name's Guy. I'm not scared of him, okay? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not this guy's friend. I think the most interesting part of that is that he, his biggest concern is a disciplinary infraction. Not murdering someone yeah. or... Making a man blind forever. Well, he yeah. said, you know, this guy doesn't deserve to be blind. But I'm, I'm gonna do nuts. it. Yeah. I'm gonna do it. He's Signed, still a piece of shit. Your favorite guy. And I think the whole point of this was because he lived in Baton Rouge alone and preferred to be alone, so he just wanted to sell to himself. That makes sense. They want. He wanted him to be like, uh, where, is, where is he at? Oh, who's that? That guy. That's hey. all he wanted to be called. Hey, boys, I got an idea. Let's bunk him with Blind Ricky. <laughs> hey, it's Blind Ricky and that guy. And is uh, that going to do it for us this week, Kitty? That is it, yeah. All right, guys. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to send us an email at fourcornerscrimecast at gmail.com. That's F-O-U-R cornerscrimecast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash fourcornerscrimecast, on Instagram at fourcornerscrimecast, on Twitter at fourcornerscast, and at fourcornerscrimecast.tumblr.com. And don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a rate and review over there. Go to Spotify and follow us there. And you can also go to our website. It's www.fourcornerscrimecast.com. You can go over there for a full, ep- for a full episode list or just to... Uh, Lost it. <laughs> suggestions. You can go there for a full episode list to give us any suggestions for an episode that you might want to hear, or you can get your free sticker from our merch store just by entering the code Bingo Bango at checkout. We'll put it in an envelope and send it out to you 100% for free. So if you're thinking about, you know, telling your kids, I'm done supporting you, just wait. Just don't give them any hints. And then you just got to cut them off really sharp and quick and throw them to the buzzers, buzzards, and drive away really fast. That's what I think you got to do. All right. We'll talk to you next week. See ya. Adios, motherfuckers. Oh, so this and man suffered. 30. Well, let's go ahead and hair shame him. I mean. I'm absolutely going to shame every single aspect of this man. Can we go ahead and shame Trey Young for his hair while we're at it? No. we're gonna Three weeks in a row at basketball? Just this guy right here. Yes.